0: A little boy was walking on the beach and saw an older woman sitting under a breach, a breach, a beach umbrella, starting off well this year. (laughs) And he walked up to her and asked, are you a Christian? Yes, she replied. Do you read your Bible every day? She nodded her head, yes. Do you pray often? She said, yes. He smiled and said, Well, then, would you hold my dollar while I go swimming? (laughs) Now, why would that child ask all those questions? Because he wanted to know if he could trust this lady with his valuables. You know what? As I pondered that story, I thought, the world around us also wants to know this. Can followers of Jesus be trusted, is the church trustworthy? Is this church trustworthy? And if those watching can trust us, well, maybe, maybe they can trust Jesus too. Paul's second letter to the Corinthians that we just heard Lisa read is written from Macedonia six months after the first letter to the Corinthian church in the year AD 55. The Corinthian church had been infiltrated by false teachers, challenging Paul's integrity and challenging his authority as an apostle. Because he had changed his itinerary from one long visit to two shorter stays, these troublemakers used it as an opportunity to suggest that his word meant nothing, that he couldn't be trusted. They even accused him of pocketing the collection they'd taken for the poor in Jerusalem. So in this letter, Paul asks the Corinthians to remember, to think back and remember about his life and how honorable he had been, how he had preached an honorable message of salvation that was valid. Paul urged the Corinthians to prepare for his next visit by dealing with the troublemakers in their midst. And so Paul starts the letter offering thanks to God for giving him divine comfort in his troubles and expressing his integrity about his conduct. It is in fact a very intensely personal letter in which he clearly articulates his feelings and his faith, especially as he faced difficulties and disappointments. Paul wrote, as surely as God is faithful, our word to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaim among you, Sylvanius and Timothy and I, was not yes or no, but in him it was always been yes. For in every one of God's promises is a yes. For this reason, it is through him that we say the amen, the so be it, to the glory of God. Paul was articulating his faith in a trustworthy God as a reason for his critics to trust him. Paul's faith was built on truth, as is declared in numbers 23:19. God is not a human being that he should lie, or a mortal that he should change his mind. Has he promised? Will he not do it? Has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? And from Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who has promised is faithful. Friends, do we believe God is faithful? Can we believe God will do what God promises to do? Can we trust that God's yes is always yes. And because of that, have hope in a world that too often feels hopeless. The testimony of Scripture is that when God makes a promise, it can be trusted. Like when Jesus is quoted in Matthew's Gospel, do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly Father knows what you need. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Hebrews 13 says, keep your lives free from the love of money. And be content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Augustine of Hippo an early church father, wrote this. I have read Plato and Cicero, sayings that are very wise and beautiful, but I never read in either of their writings, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take your yoke upon you, take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in hearts, and you will find rest. Rest. For your souls. Those are Jesus' words. To a world that's asking, can you be trusted? If you have read the Bible, you know it's full of promises. According to one source I read this week, the New Testament has 750 promises. That's just the New Testament. And because many of the promises are repeated in different places throughout the Bible, They ascertained that there probably are actually only 250 separate promises. Only 250. Now you might say, if there are only 250 promises, the rest of those 750 verses are just repetition. They're just repeating the same 250. Why would God be so repetitive? You already know the answer. God is repetitive for the same reason parents repeat themselves over and over again. God is redundant, so we pay attention, so that we get it, so that we understand, that we remember. Repetition is a valuable tool used to remind us of important things, isn't it? In high school, we called our woodshop teacher, Mr. Haney, Mr. Haney Haney because he would often say, I will not repeat myself. I will not repeat myself. (laughs) And then we would say, okay, Mr. Haney Haney. (laughs) Mr. Haney would repeat himself, hoping that we would follow his directions and not hurt ourselves or someone else so that we would be safe. Okay, Mr. Haney Haney. God's promises are God's clear way of saying yes to us yes we are loved yes we are not alone yes we have purpose so I wonder are God's yeses compelling enough reason for you and I to say yes to God yes to God in Jesus Yes, to being in community with one another. And yes, to meeting the needs and concerns of our neighbors. Church, we are not alone. We are not abandoned without help. We are the reason God has come to us in Jesus. And that is what all these promises are about. Thinking about the choir kicking off made me think about some of the wonderful anthems we're going to hear this fall, what we've already begun to hear. Some of the hymns that Tom played big for us today, so exciting. As I was pondering that, I thought of one of my favorite hymns, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Some of you know that hymn. Great is Thy Faithfulness, O God my Father. There's no shadow of turning with Thee. Thou changest not, thy compassions they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand has provided. Great is thy faithfulness. Lord unto me. (laughs) Do you know that that hymn is based on scripture? It's out of lamentations. The prophet Jeremiah was lamenting the destruction of Samaria. Israel had been beaten down and carried off into captivity. And Jeremiah writes in Lamentations 3 I know what I see with my eyes. I recognize the hardship of God's people. But this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. He continues, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. God was still saying yes amongst all that was happening and all the challenges that Jeremiah was faced with. God had made a promise and great was God's faithfulness. So Jeremiah, amid his challenges, kept trusting God's promises. He chose to believe in God's faithfulness, in God's yes. As we've already read and heard again from that second, from 2 Corinthians, for all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. That's why it is through him that we utter our amen. Amen to God for his glory. You see, it's in Jesus, whom we fully meet in the New Testament, that we understand God's Old Testament promises. Jesus is the one that makes them new. Without Jesus, we can't fully understand God's promises. We can't fully understand God's yeses. Promises like we find in Ephesians. In Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in Him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. The promise is that we have a guarantee of salvation because we have been sealed with God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit. How did we get that Spirit? How do we receive that Holy Spirit? We receive the Spirit because we choose to believe. We accept God's yes as we say yes. Believe in Jesus. With Jesus, we have the Spirit. With Jesus, we have the promise. The promise of eternity. We know about promises, don't we? We depend on them in almost every aspect of our lives. If you work, there's a promise that you're going to receive a paycheck. If you make a purchase, you buy a car or a refrigerator or a TV. They give you a guarantee. It comes with it. Those are promises that you've paid for, either by your labor or your money. You deserve them. So you can demand them. But those promises are not like the promises of God. We didn't necessarily deserve God's promises. We don't earn a guarantee from God. God offers us insurance, assurance because God loves us. John 3.16, you know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The promise of salvation is based upon God's loving yeses for us. And as we choose to believe these promises, they become our promises but not promises built on wishful hope, but specific promises guaranteed by God's life, death and resurrection in Jesus. A Sunday school teacher was teaching the kids the Lord's Prayer. Later, he overheard one of the children praying this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, how'd you know my name? God knows your name. God knows it because God loves you and put the stamp of yes upon you from the very beginning of time. God's promises, God's yeses are reminders, a reminder of that. Her doctor said her detached retinas couldn't be repaired. But after living without sight for 15 years, learning braille and using a cane and even a service dog, this Montana woman's life was changed when her husband asked another eye doctor a simple question. Could she be helped? The answer was yes. As the doctors discovered the woman had a common eye condition called cataracts which were removed from her right eye. And when the eye patch came off the next day, her vision was 20-20. A second surgery for her left eye met with equal success. Could she be helped? Can I be helped? Could our pain, our worry, our needed breakthroughs be solved with a simple question, offered to a faithful God? Who longs, who longs to say yes? What did it say in our passage? For in him, every one of God's promises is a yes. For this reason, it is through him that we say amen to the glory of God. But it is God who establishes us with you in Christ, and has anointed us, who has put his heal, seal on us, and given us his spirit in our hearts as a down payment. Here's a question I offer you today. Are you ready to accept a resounding yes? Do you want to be surrounded by yeses? The yeses Jesus desires to offer us all, to offer you. Again, in 2 Corinthians, for in Jesus, every one of God's promise is a yes. For this reason, it is through Jesus that we say amen. We affirm those yeses to the glory of God. Paul is making it clear that all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. And the amen is offered by us in response to this loving God, this faithful God. Can I get an Amen. Church, do we know that all God's Old Testament promises are fulfilled in Jesus? That Jesus is literally the yes to each one? 2 Corinthians 1 reminds us that it's God who has put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a down payment. That God has given us this promised spirit to remind us of the yeses. It's God who graciously put that sacred seal upon our lives. Paul states that in giving the Corinthians the spirit in their hearts, God has set their seal, set his seal on them. And friends, God has given that same Holy Spirit to each believer as a guarantee or a down payment of all the present and future yeses to come. The Holy Spirit is our guarantee, that voice inside us that leads us and guides us. Every day. It has promised to lead us every day until eternity begins. So what's the question that you need to ask? For many of us, we just haven't asked the simple question that leads us to all God's yeses. On several occasions, throughout scripture, Jesus asks, what can I do for you? Do you want to be healed? Who do you say that I am? Do you love me? Friends, the game is rigged in our favor. As Isaiah 65 says, before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. It's rigged in our favor. God longs to say yes. What did he say? Before they call, I will answer. While they're yet speaking, I will hear. God doesn't require complicated questions from us to help us. God needs a yes. Just a yes. Or even an amen. A mom in a big red skirt walked up to the grocery grocery counter and laid down two gallons of milk. There beside the register was the rest of her groceries. That everything? asked the man behind the counter, the man who owned that general store and waited on her every Thursday as she came to town to shop. He was a tall man with giant arms and a big smile. Yes, the woman replied, I think that's it. As the man began to ring up the order, a little face peered off from behind this woman's skirt. The man caught that little boy's eyes and smiled. Hey, why don't you get yourself a handful of suckers? Pointing to the big jar that's right in front of the cash register. The little boy's face retreated an inch behind the skirt. Oh, go on, the man said. Get yourself a handful of suckers. The little boy's face retreated another inch behind the skirt. The man laughed. Well, here, he said putting his hand down into the jar, pulling out a handful of of suckers. At this, the boy came out from behind his mother's skirt, extended both hands to receive the treats from the store's owner. After the groceries were paid for and loaded in the car, the mom was ready to head home, but she first turned to her son. Why were you so shy in there? Why didn't you reach your hand in and get the suckers that he offered you? Her son pulled the cherry sucker out of his mouth, looked up at her and said, because his hands are bigger than mine. (laughs) His hands are bigger than mine. Why do we sometimes settle for just what we can fully understand or get our hands around when there can be so much more, so much more that we can experience from the hands of a faithful God? who has made it known in Jesus, we can truly know all these yeses intended for us. One Sunday morning, a little girl in the car on her way home from Sunday school said to her parents, I don't understand. Her parents said, what don't you understand? She said, well, our Sunday school teacher today told us that God is inside of us. That's right, her parents assured her. But didn't you say that God is bigger than us? She continued to inquire. That's also true, honey, they said. Puzzled. Well, if God lives on the inside of us and is bigger than us, wouldn't we see him showing on the outside of us Well, if God lives on the inside of us and is bigger than us, shouldn't we see him showing on the outside of us? God has said and continues to say yes to all creation. The question we ask God is, will you come into my life? The question we ask ourselves is, will you say yes to God so God can keep showing through us? Friends, this fall, through several passages and stories from Scriptures, we will be talking about these yeses offered by God to be received by us by offering these yeses in return. Church, as we kick off this fall together, let's let's offer a great yes to Jesus. Yes to each other, and yes to our neighbors here, near and far, amen.